0: Welcome back to SEMA's podcast. Y'all ready for this, where we talk about all things emergency preparedness to help you and your family prepare for any type of natural or man-made disaster right here in Chatham County. This week's episode, we're talking about risk reduction, which is near and dear to my heart as a new mom. I had no idea how many hazards were around my home until I started baby proofing. My co-host this week is another young mama and a wonderful asset to the Chatham County government community. And that is Abby Murphy with the Public Information Office. Abby, thank you so much for joining me on this adventure. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to to be
1: here on this podcast.
0: Woohoo! Abby is usually a wonderful co-host of the chat, the Chatham County Government podcast. So I've kind of stolen her for the week and I'm pretty excited about it. Our expert this week is none other than Lee Harold, who is the Safety Training Manager for Chatham County Government. Lee, thank you so much for sharing these tips with our listeners this week. I'm happy to be here. All right, Abby, will you go ahead and start us off with our first question? Sure.
1: Well, welcome, Lee. Um, and I wanted to ask, uh, so we're talking about um, safety in the home. And I wanted to start off and ask, you know, what are some of the, the most common injuries that we see around the house, around our homes?
2: Well, uh, we think of our homes as that safe space for us but in the last 10 years at home injuries have increased about 60 percent according to the national safety council the most common injuries that we see in the home right now are poisonings falls drowning choking and fires but what's interesting about the data is what we're getting from 2020 since the pandemic started, we're seeing a huge spike in musculoskeletal injuries from working from home.
0: Oh, okay. So musculoskeletal—that's that's a very intense word. Um, but it kind of brings up a really good point. We have a lot of ergonomic options when we're in the office but when we're sitting at home we really don't have a lot of those options some of us are having to sit at tables or in anything that we can find how can we make sure that we are saving our backs and saving our our muscular skeletal system um, without kind of compromising what we're able to accomplish at work
2: well you're right chelsea when we work from home we try to find the most comfortable spot we can and that leads to being in awkward positions and it's been a huge issue since the start of the pandemic. Most of our work is done on a laptop or a tablet. So our head is constantly looking down and that puts pressure on our spine. And then we're not getting up and walking around and moving about the office like we normally do. The body needs that movement and they need the body needs this, the stretches that we, we usually give it. So we do need to stand up and walk around. Um, find a neutral position. So when you work from home, when you work from your computer, I think one of the most inexpensive things that you can do is get an external keyboard and mouse and set your work area up like it would be set up in the office. So your feet touching the ground, your arms in a neutral position, And then get up i encourage people once every hour at least get up put on some music dance around for just a second because you're at home um you're not walking to the water cooler (laughs) yeah i know um oh go ahead
0: no i was just gonna say i love the idea of, of a forced dance party once an hour i feel like we could easily implement that
1: yeah that sounds like a lot of fun and i know there was a brief period in time where um we were partially working from home here and i remember i would have to consciously move myself around so i would maybe sit outside for a little bit or go to my um my kitchen counter and stand up and work that way i was trying to be very cognizant of, of moving around because i could feel myself sitting in a twisted position and feel my back starting to kind of ache so those are all really great suggestions um and you mentioned fires so this time of year we hear about so many fires um why do we see such an increase in and what can we do to prevent higher fires in the home?
2: Well, this time of the year, most of our house fires uh, result from three major causes. We have the the heaters, we have cooking, and electrical uh, overloads. House fires are really tragedies that we can prevent just by making sure that our electrical systems are healthy. And by that, I mean making sure that you're not creating that electrical octopus by plugging in 20 different cords in one extension cord and in one plug. Make sure that you are inspecting those cords for any tears or frays, um, any kind of damage on that cord, especially your heater cords. If you have a space heater and you use space heaters, make sure that they are equipped with an automatic shutoff or anything that will shut the heater off if it becomes unlevel. And then inspect your dryer lint uh, traps and keep those clean as well and keep them free from buildup. And then keep your oven and your stove clean because we have a lot of grease fires. So um, making sure that your stove and oven are, are clean will reduce those, the chance of having a grease fire. And then make sure you have a fire extinguisher in the home that works teach your kids how to operate it. I just encourage everybody to test their smoke alarms um, periodically, not just when they start chirping with that annoying low battery chirp.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Um, And for those that um, maybe don't know how to test their smoke alarm, could you
2: kind of just briefly say what you need to do to, to test that? There is a test button on the if you look uh, at your smoke detector, there's going to be a, a little test button. Then you just push that and make sure that it goes off.
0: Okay. There it does a- make a loud beeping noise. My husband has gotten a little anal about it and test stars on a monthly basis. My dog hates that noise. Yes. She, goes, she goes
1: insane.
0: I' <laughs> all hate that noise. <laughs> yes. And, you know, Lee, you mentioned a fire extinguisher, and I just want to make sure that people understand that all fire extinguishers are not equal, and you need to know what type of fire you're going to be putting out to understand the type of fire extinguisher that you need to use. Can you just briefly discuss the different types of fire extinguishers?
2: Well, we have different types of fire extinguishers for different fires, and we have uh, class A, class B, class C, and class D, and class K, of course. Really, in the home, you will only be confronted by a class A fire, a class B fire, or a class C, which is A is paper and wood, um, class B may be gases, and class C is electrical So the fire extinguishers that you can get in, say, big box stores like Walmart, Target, um, I, I would recommend you look for an ABC fire extinguisher, and that just takes out the guesswork. So now you're getting all of those categories of fire, the most common types of fires in the home with one fire extinguisher.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And that's something that I definitely learned uh, a little bit the hard way uh, in, in recognizing that not all fire extinguishers are the same and they're not all going to be helpful. And you don't want to pour water on top of some of those fires because it makes it a whole lot worse.
2: You're right. You're right. Well,
0: and Lee, I tell you, we, you, you mentioned it earlier. A lot of times we just assume that our homes are the safest places. And I had no idea that sometimes they can be so dangerous, especially as I'm starting to baby-proof my house and realizing that there are a lot of hazards in my home.
2: There are, we have so many preventable tragedies um, happen in our own home from broken bones to um, poisonings. You know, we hear so many horror stories that even some that involve our children. Well, so what kind
1: of poisons would be available for children to get into, and and how can we keep them safe from those poisons?
2: Um, Medications and cleaning supplies are the, the biggest threats as far as poisons to our children. We can start by just making sure that our cleaning products are stored out of the reach of children in, you know, in a locked cabinet. And then when it comes to those cleaning supplies, just making sure that they are labeled correctly, um, you, you know, you don't want to have a, a Mountain Dew bottle with engine cleaner in it because your chil- you, your children could easily think that is a Mountain Dew and grab it and open it and drink it. Um, and then with medications, you want to keep those out of the reach of your children in a higher cabinet where, where they can't get to it. I, I know it seems like an inconvenience sometimes, but it's a lot better than having an injured child, so... Uh, just keeping those items out of the reach up in high levels.
0: Yeah, it, Seth and I, my husband and I have been really, really careful in trying to understand where we're keeping our cleaning products and what that looks like. Growing up, he actually had a next door neighbor whose child swallowed a bunch of cleaning products and actually melted her throat and caused all kinds of just healthcare issues her entire life. And that's just so terrifying to me and so real for both of us. And and it's so avoidable. And doing just what Lee mentioned will help save your family from that type of tragedy. Wow.
2: And that's so, poison control number. I think a lot of people, you know, as kids, we learned that in school, what is the number to poison control? 1-800-222-1222 but as adults, we don't remember that. So, you know, have that number handy just in case there is an incident.
0: That is a great idea, just to make sure that you have it available, ready to go. You don't have to worry about it. I I like that, I like that a lot. All right, so kind of shifting gears here. I feel like in emergency management, for some reason, I'm always hearing stories about people falling off ladders. Is that really a, a common household hazard?
2: Ladders are a big source of falls in the home. We get to working on the honey-do list and uh, we just don't, we focus on what we're doing and we don't have the safety people looking over our shoulder. We're not using the same safety measures that we would in the workplace. Um, So yeah, when you're cleaning out those gutters and you're using a ladder, you're using a ladder for any other reason. Use it wisely, use it how it's supposed to be designed, use it properly and make sure that it is uh, secured. You wanna make sure that it's on firm ground. And the, there's another cause of falls. You know, we associate falls with ladders, but um, uh, there are a lot of falls that are happening. You know, we're our generation is becoming caretakers for our, our parents who may be aging. and And with so many of us becoming caretakers, we really need to evaluate the safety of our our elderly in our home with rugs and cords and stairs you know these could cause people to trip and fall so um, in addition to the ladder safety which we do have a lot of people falling off ladders you know try to keep your walking pads clear um, and and make sure that they're clear from tripping hazards especially for our elderly that's so true that's something
1: i think about um, with with my dad is um, making sure, uh, cause he regularly stays with us at our house, making sure that um, there's no tripping hazards when also for my, my child as well. So um, it works out. I'm constantly having to think about that. So we have a pretty safe home. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> um, I know you work with uh, occupational safety, um, meaning, meaning the workplace, but what would you say is your number one tip to stay safe in your home?
2: I actually have three things that um, I think are the best tips that I can give you. Purchase a good first aid kit, because things will happen. And then write down your emergency contact numbers and put that list with your first aid kit. And then put your first aid kit somewhere in a common area. So when something happens, you're not you know running around and looking under every cabinet in the house trying to find the first aid kit. But you also need to keep that updated with uh, updated supplies and update your, your emergency contact numbers on a regular basis. I think the second thing um, is to make sure that you have a working fire extinguisher. I'm, I'm huge about these fire extinguishers. You need to have one on every single level of your home. And you need to teach your children how to use those fire extinguishers because if you're not there and they put something in the microwave and that microwave catches on fire, they need to know what to do in addition to calling 911. So if you've got an old fire extinguisher that doesn't have a good charge or you're replacing a fire extinguisher, Take your child out in the backyard and show them how to pull that pin and how to squeeze that trigger and, and let that extinguisher do its job. Um, I think the last most helpful tip that um, I tell everybody is to walk around your home, look around your house, and look at anything that could be a hazard to anybody that comes to your home, and that includes yourself. And, and ask yourself what is the worst thing that could happen and then correct that hazard or the condition whatever it may be to prevent that worst case scenario uh, but uh, three tips instead of one
1: <laughs> well I know I've definitely um since I've had my daughter I've uh, consolidated everything for my first aid kit in one drawer because before that I was running around like, where's the band-aid? Where's the Neosport, where's this and that? And so now it's all in one drawer and it's super convenient now because, you know, toddlers always get bumps and scrapes and a band-aid makes the boo-boo feel better. Um, so um, that's a really, really good tip.
0: Yes, and I love the idea of walking around your home. And, and I would even implore you to walk around your home in someone else's shoes. So if you have young children, maybe get down on your hands and knees if you're able to and kind of explore what it would look like for them and maybe try to walk around just a little bit wobbly to see what it might feel like or, or be like for someone that doesn't walk just as steadily as you do. It would really give you a good perspective of things that you can change around your home. I love
2: that. Yeah, we do tend to think of our, our home is our shelter. It's our safe space. But there are so many things that can go wrong. I just think that we need to be prepared by correcting any of those hazards that we can.
0: 100%. Well, you guys, that is all of our time today. Thank you both so much for making this fun, making it educational on both a personal and a professional level. Thank you guys so much for helping me do that today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for having us. Well, you guys and our listeners, please tune in for next week when we are joined, kind of a blast from the past for SEMA. We're joined by two SEMA contract employees who were actually part of our VISTA program or Volunteers in Service to America. Let's take a look back about what their experience was like here at SEMA and also talk about some opportunities about how you might be able to come work for SEMA for a year. We'll see you guys next week.